Thank you, Bryce, very much. Well, good morning, everyone. It is a delight to be back with you. I'm Pastor Len, in case you forgot. It's been a few weeks. Anyway, uh, just delighted to see everyone out here today. And for those of you that are joining us online, welcome to you also. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to minister to you through this means of the live stream. I'm thankful that it's cooperating today. Hopefully it will continue to do so. Well, we're looking forward to uh, just a time of looking at God's Word again. I would ask if you would please turn once again to the book of Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15, I'm going to read for us verses 37 through 41. And I'll ask if you're able, please, to join me by standing for the reading of God's holy word. Numbers 15, beginning at verse 37. Yahweh said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. A cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of Yahweh to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Yahweh, your God. Our Lord adds his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Please be seated. So since it was about three, uh, three Sundays ago that we began this, uh, this message, uh, a little review is probably in order. I know there are some here that weren't there then, and uh, perhaps uh, the same for those online. And even those who were here uh, three weeks going by, You've had a few other things on your mind, so you might have forgotten some of these things. Uh, we talked about this idea of the tassels on the corners of the garments, as you may remember, uh, that uh, faithful Jews were commanded to put these tassels on their garments um, at each corner with a, with a thread of blue running through them. We talked about the symbolism of that blue. Most scholars think that that refers to uh, thinking heaven, uh, uh, thinking heavenward, uh, kind of the blue for the, the blue of the sky of the heavens. But these were to be there as a visual reminder throughout the generations. There's no there's no expiration date on this command for uh, the Jewish nation. They were to wear these things as a reminder of the commandments of God, and to as they remembered them to spur them on to think, yes, we must obey them. We must be faithful to them. For us, um, the command is not for us to, to go sew uh, tassels on the corners of our robes. However, the commands to be holy, to remember God's commandments, that you that love the Lord, we are to hate evil. And Jesus made it very clear that if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. Yeah, so... We have these reminders in the scriptures over and over and over again uh, that we are to be holy unto our God because He is holy. So using this, this thought of the tassels as kind of a, 
a motif, if you will, a, a, a structure for, uh, by which uh, that we can use to to think about holiness and the various areas of our lives where holiness is paramount. And that's really all of our lives, but we're looking at um, several things in particular. We find some hints in God, in God's law itself. In verse 39 of our passage here, we are to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord. So using that, thinking about uh, how we might uh, organize those a little bit into something that we can grab a hold of. There's four corners of the garments, four tassels, so we're going with four tassels, four points in our message. We looked at two of them three Sundays ago. The first one we looked at uh, was being holy in speech, taking our cues from you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain and you shall not lie. That aspect of having your, your tongue under the control of and devoted unto the service and praise of our Lord. So being holy in speech, conscious of the Lord's presence and that holy speech is honest and wise. The holy speech is kind to one another. That holy speech is under control. Uh, if uh, we don't bridle our tongues, we deceive our hearts. Our, James says a person who doesn't control his tongue, uh, that person's religion is useless. And the holy speech is also full of praise. We talked about that as well. And then the second tassel we looked at went from there to being holy in thought. Uh, again, taking our, our idea there from the commands, you shall have no other gods before me, speaking of uh, prohibition of idolatry, which of course begins in the heart and mind, and you shall not covet. Uh, coveting, longing after someone else, that's a, that's, a, that's a heart and brain activity that often then ushers forth into uh, action. But it begins with the thought. So we need to keep our thoughts holy before the Lord. Remember what our Lord Jesus said about what really defiles a person. In Luke 6, 45, he said, A good man out of the good treasure of his own heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So be, we've got to think about what's going on in our minds, not just what we say. Because just like the lips, the words of our mouths, the, 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 the words of our lips, sorry, all jumbled up. Speaking of lips. Uh, anyway, we, just like what we say, our thoughts are also accountable to a holy God. We are in his presence. We are to be reminded of that. Holy thoughts are filled with God's word, which will remind us of our accountability to him. And holy thoughts are filled with God's ways and God's works. And what are, we, what are you meditating on? We talked about that a bit. Meditating on the splendor of the Lord rather than the squalor of our sin and the, and the disappointments and the doubts and the fears that we have. Uh, we can drive ourselves right into the ground if we do that. Those are not holy thoughts. Those are earthly thoughts. Let our thoughts be holy as we meditate upon our Lord. Holy thoughts are also submissive to God or, or honoring unto God. That our, our, when something doesn't go well, when something doesn't add up to our plan, our first thought shouldn't be, oh, the Lord is failing me here. But rather, like Job, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. 
that comes out of a heart that is submissive unto him, unto the Lord. Holy thoughts, and this is where we typically camp when we think about holy thoughts. Uh, holy thoughts are filled with uh, virtue, thinking about what is good and right and honorable and of good report. You know, we're commanded to think on these things. Holy thoughts are filled with peace, not being filled with agitation, not being filled with anger towards others. When you're angry, don't sin. When your beds, uh, when you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. It's from Psalm four, four. We looked at that passage. And holy thoughts are filled with love for others. Just how can we go out and and serve and aid and comfort and bless others? Um, we should be, you know, we think, well, what what can I be meditating on? We can meditate upon the Lord Himself, of course. We've talked about that. But meditating upon, you know, what needs to be done? What can I? What, what does so-and-so need? What does so-and-so need? Um, what can I do to meet that need? I commented on this in, uh, well, now I can't remember. Was it leadership yesterday, class? It might have been this morning in Sunday school. Too much going on all at once. Um, but basically, what a blessing it is that we have a congregation filled with people that look out for each other and that serve one another. And the, the last... The last uh, uh, a couple of weeks with the severe weather and all those things. The people have been in need in the congregation, myself included, my family included, and you, many here have blessed us and have blessed others simply because you were thinking about what might be done and looking around, seeing a need, and then taking, a, taking steps to meet that need. And that is just a huge blessing, and that's an evidence of thoughts that are accountable unto the Lord, and holy unto Him. So, we wrapped up three weeks ago with the thought that man does look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And asking the question, how holy are your thoughts? Are the threads of your tassels reflecting the right of heaven to rule? Or have you mixed in other colors because you've decided it's prettier? Let your thoughts draw your soul heavenward and thus guide your actions to encourage others to do the same. So that brings us to our third tassel, which is to be holy in your behavior. In your behavior. Our commandments from the Decalogue are honor your father and mother, for example. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. Holy thoughts should be issuing forth into holy actions. Actions that are an encouragement to your brother or sister. Holy thoughts and actions that are a testimony even to yourself of the joys of walking in holiness unto the Lord. Unholy thoughts are merely going to issue into hypocritical actions. Even if you do something, something well, What's that old saying? A broken clock is right twice a day. I mean, uh, so you did well. Um, it brings to mind James's thoughts uh, when he says, uh, um, you, believe in, you believe in God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. Uh, your thoughts, uh, if they're holy, they will lead to doing the right things for the right reason unto the glory of God. 
So let's think about this holy behavior. And I think we're probably used to thinking in terms of a, a list of do's and don'ts. Certainly many in, uh, in Christianity fall into that legalistic camp that erect uh, various additional uh, rules and regulations to help us all be more holy, uh, whether it has to do with uh, how long our hair is or what kind of, of uh, clothing we wear, etc. But there's more to this than simply following legalistically and, and even, I won't say mindlessly, because there's, there, the legalists can have great, spend a great deal of gray cells on how they're going to follow the rules exactly and be able then to judge everybody else that they're not as holy as they are. Um, we don't want to go there. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about holy behavior. There is an aspect, though, certainly, of following God's rules. And that brings me to the first one here, that holy behavior is righteous behavior. There is uh, an aspect of, of our behavior that should be different from that of the world. We should be doing those things that God commands. So Peter says in 1 Peter 1, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, pay attention to it. Get out of your stupor. Get on with it. Take hold. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. We could compare this to the writings of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, where in chapter 4 he describes the whole putting off the former ways of wickedness, those things that are uh, of, the, of the devil and the flesh, and putting on that which is righteous, doing those things that are pleasing in God's sight. And there's really no shortage of, of instruction in the Holy Word of God on what God asks of us, demands of us to do in terms of our behavior, beginning with the Ten Commandments, and just going out from there and all the various ramifications of those Ten Commandments uh, that we see for us in the Scriptures. Our behavior needs to be in accordance with God's Word. Bottom line, I say righteous because righteousness, as those of you who have been here for a while know, I frequently refer to righteousness as conformity to a standard. If something is righteous, that means it meets up to a standard, and we could use that uh, adjective to describe any number of things, depending on what standard we're talking about. But the kind of righteousness that we're talking about here in God's Word is not uh, not conforming to something that we've decided that God should have said, or would be really nice if He'd said, or maybe didn't say at all. But so we're just uh, we're just kind of making stuff up as we go along in order to make ourselves feel better somehow. But actually, the standard that he has given to us of, of moral integrity and holiness and purity before him, that's the standard that we are to aspire to, and it is only by that standard that we can judge whether or not we are truly being righteous or not. Holy behavior strives to walk in accordance with God's law, in short. Along with that, it is careful behavior. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22, 
abstain from every form or appearance of evil. And what that says to me as I read that verse is that it takes some thought. It takes some care. And you need to be full of care because it's very easy for us to get, get loose in our understanding of freedom and think, well, I can, I can uh, do whatever I want and as long as I don't feel bad about it before God, it must be all right and everybody else can go pound sand. But the things that we do have an impact upon those around us. We can cause others to stumble. Uh, we can bring reproach upon the name of Jesus Christ by our willingness to be less than holy in, in our actions. Or even the fact that we don't really think of, we often don't think about what, what impact is this going to have upon others. This focus upon having, avoiding even the appearance of evil, abstaining from every form or appearance of evil. There's a testimony matter here. What you do impacts what others do. If any of you, if any of you doubt that, ask any parent in the room which, which predominantly in their children is reflected. The parents' failures or the parents' the parents' successes. We see a lot of our, our own failures, our own failings in our children. Well, they're sinful people too on their own part. So we, uh, parents, you've got to be careful about what you do and say. Because your children will emulate you. And whether you have kids or not, friends, neighbors, co-workers, all of those things, your testimony and the name of Jesus Christ and, and His glory are at stake here. Not to mention just the fact that um, I, I think that it's not by accident that Paul is focusing on the appearance of things. Because we're often more than ready to go, well, I know the thoughts of my heart and I didn't actually do that. And I'm sorry if it looked like that to somebody. But you start skirting the edge like that, thinking, well, I, I don't have to worry about the appearance so much as long as my heart's okay. Uh, it won't be long before your heart won't be okay at all. Um, because you're playing with fire. Just avoid evil entirely, including its any form or appearance. Um, we were talking in leadership yesterday. Um, a certain person who shall remain unnamed uh, was talking about a, a, a sweatshirt that he used to wear that had something questionable on it that he never even, it didn't occur to him. You know, it's one of those things that had, had some other stuff on it that was perfectly fine and innocuous, but it had this one symbol on it that he just, it just didn't register um, until some, I pointed out to him and said, why are you doing that? He's like, oh, I, he never thought about it. But so he, his credit, he's never worn that again uh, because it sends the wrong message. No. We just need to be careful about how we present ourselves because we're not just presenting ourselves. We're presenting ourselves as children of the king and thus reflecting upon him. So avoid, abstain uh, from, from every appearance of evil. Be holy in your behavior. 
along with this is being uh, a holy behavior is being faithful in your behavior or or possibly we could use the word separated but I don't by using that term there's a there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that um, but perhaps as we look at the, the verse here Psalm 1 1 it will give us a hint of what I'm getting at blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now I said faithful because uh, behavior that is faithful will want to, to uh, surround itself with those who encourage us in faithfulness. It does matter who you hang out with. When we think about our own personal separation, it doesn't mean going into isolation, but it does mean that we do not look for the answers to our issues. Uh, we do not look for our comfort in life. We don't look for uh, uh, our wisdom to come from those who are not of God and thus are not promoting God. We don't need to be uh, walking with those who are ungodly in terms of their counsel or identifying with those who uh, are are in abject sin and rebellion against God for, for being comfortable among the scornful. You do that long enough and you will find yourself really struggling not to become one of them. Even for those that we're, we're with the Lord, we love the Lord, but when we get hammered with this stuff all the time, we just think about the, the temptations that there are in the world all around us. Not even seeking them, and yet we find ourselves in a, maybe a similar situation to something we've seen. And where does your mind go to? Where do your thoughts go to? Uh, so it matters. Be holy. Be careful about uh, those you reach out to and find comfort in. There is a reason why we are commanded to be. Uh, among the people of God on a regular basis. It's the opposite of what we read here in Psalm 1. But that doesn't just come easily, does it? None of this comes easily. And that takes us to the next characteristic of holy behavior. And that it is that, is that holy behavior is disciplined behavior. In Hebrews 11, 25, um, the uh, Moses was commended for choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. D the discipline to honor your parents, and, in, and indeed that would encompass uh, honoring authority, uh, uh, being pure in your thoughts towards one another, not committing adultery, uh, being, being holy in your desire for the well-being of others, not their harm, you shall not murder. Um, and not desiring the things of others so much that you'd be willing to, to rob them of what is rightfully theirs. These things take discipline because of our sinful flesh. We want to honor ourselves. We want our own personal pleasure at whatever cost to anyone else. It doesn't matter. Uh, we find ourselves being angry with others and wishing harm upon others because they've thwarted us in some way, usually petty. Um, and... and, and kind of goes along also with the, the coveting aspect 
but we desire things that, that others have, whether it's actual possessions of something, but it could be their position, it could be their influence, it could be their good name, it could be uh, anything that is theirs. Uh, we, we take to ourselves things that we think we ought to have. Apparently God didn't know that we ought to have that. So we take it upon ourselves to obtain it. All of this takes discipline to stand firmly against. Paul, the, the great apostle, says in 1 Corinthians 9, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Surely we need that same discipline in our behavior. Because the temptations are many to do otherwise. Now, holy behavior is motivated by something. All this discipline, all this desire to be faithful, and, and we, can get, we can get really hung up on, okay, I've got my checklist now. I've done all these boxes, Lord, and like the rich young ruler go, I've done all these things for my youth. Everything's great. Holy behavior has to be motivated more than just, I've got to fill up a checklist. Holy behavior is submissive behavior. You take a look at Romans chapter 6 and you will see that right there. Whereas Paul says, Now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Holy behavior is not just about trying to prove to God that we're good enough for Him. It's recognizing that we are His slaves. That we are in submission to Him. That we owe Him our allegiance, our devotion, our worship, our, our righteous acts. Everything is owed unto Him. This wipes out the idea of the entitlement mentality that we often have when we come to, to the Lord if we are thinking in a fleshly manner, in a non-holy manner, that, yeah, I've done this and I've done that, so Lord, therefore... Certainly, I, I must be in now. No, we are submissive unto Him and recognize our rightful position in relationship to Him. He is our Master. He is our Lord. We are His servants. And as His servants, recognizing His position, His power, His authority, that also means that our behavior, as if it's going to be holy, must there must be an aspect of fearfulness to it. There is, our holy behavior is fearful behavior. Now, by this, I don't mean that we are walking around wringing our hands, wondering if God's going to cast us out or, um, you know, wondering what's going to happen in the future or anything else. Far from it. But it is a recognition of who God is. The immensity of difference between Him and us. And the fearfulness of walking in a way that would offend our holy God. Let me bring it back to children and parents for a moment. So, I know every family here, um, I feel pretty confident in saying this, that none of these children are living in terror of their parents. They're not afraid they're going to be abused. They're not afraid they're going to be starved. They're not afraid they're going to be cast out of the house. Right? 
But there's an honor and a reverence towards their parents. They want to avoid offending. They want to avoid causing a problem. Now, sometimes that motivation is simply because they don't want to endure the consequences. Um, and that's something to be worked on. However, uh, particularly, I know for many of you, as I look around you young people that are a little bit older, I know that you would be afraid to disobey your parents or to dishonor them because you love them. Because you don't want to damage the relationship between you and them. And that's what I'm talking about here. You recognize their position, their authority, their ability that surpasses yours. Their wisdom that surpasses yours. If you have wisdom, you recognize that. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, that God is going to judge the earth and the, the, the creation, physical creation, will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? If we recognize the judgment that is coming upon the earth, we recognize who God actually is, we will fear to offend Him. And it will change the way that we behave in His presence and in the presence of others. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 7, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. And the, excuse me, all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So let's put aside uh, out, of, out of a holy and proper fear of our living God. Let's put aside the things of this earth, the sins that so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. And we do have a race that is set before us, and there's a finish line at the end of it. So the last aspect of holy behavior that I'll mention here is that it is hopeful. It is a hopeful behavior. Jude, uh, in verses 20 and 21, says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Building yourself up, praying, Keeping yourself in the love of God. Speaking of walking in obedience. This is about hopeful behavior. Even as we're, we're fearful of the most high, the most living, the, the incredible, immense, matchless living God. We live, our, our behavior should reflect uh, a sure and certain expectation that He is coming again, that He will keep his promises, that our inheritance is great and for eternity. Think about it for a minute. What difference does hope make in the way that you behave in any circumstance of life? So let that sink in a minute. Some of you have been uh, through extended periods in your life where Maybe you've struggled to find uh, employment. Think about the hopelessness 
that sometimes can come with that sort of thing. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to keep the car running? How, you know, what am I going to do? Are we going to be able to keep the house? Da, 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 da. You don't have a job that's kind of difficult to do in most circumstances. But if you have some hope in the matter, well, you know, the job market's looking pretty good. Yep, I can do that. Just even something like that. Well, my friend's got some jobs. Uh, they're out there. Some other things. Well, they may not pay quite as much, but no, no, no. You know what? We can make it. Suddenly, the whole picture in your life changes. Just because you have some hope. That's even before you get the job. Your whole attitude can change because of hope. Put that in the context of your life with the Lord. We endure struggles, we endure difficulties, we endure oppression, we endure temptation. All of those kinds of things. The weakness of our own flesh, much less the oppression from others. And yet in the Lord we have hope that this too shall pass away and that we shall be united to our Savior and that all will be well. It changes your perspective. And your behavior, I guarantee you, will change. Because it will be motivated by hope to live in a, in a way that gives you a reasonable expectation that that hope might be realized. Or should say will be realized. I remember when I was, go back to the, the job thing, I remember when I was uh, junior and senior in high school, starting to think about college, didn't have lots and lots of money um, in our family to actually pay for that. So trying to figure out how are we going to do this, and I'm thinking about different jobs. Um, you know, uh, I uh, went out, uh, well, well, let me ask you what you think I did. You think I sat at home? I was like, okay, Lord, um, I need a job. Meantime, I'm reading books, sitting around eating my parents out of house and home. I did that. Uh, but, but not, but not going out and actually looking for a job. You think I'd have any reasonable hope that I might actually get one? That I might actually have the promise of being able to go to college and pay those bills, and etc. No, hopeful behavior meant that. Yep, there's opportunities out here. Here's what I'm looking for. There's the goal. How did it change my behavior? I was out looking for a job. those days, the best, the best jobs were mill jobs, as far as money goes. And for nearly a year, I'm not saying this because I'm a hero, I was desperate. <laughs> but for nearly a year, I went every week to this one mill and said, do you have anything? The guy would, I'd go first thing in the morning, beginning morning shift, show up, go, do you have anything? He'd go, nope. I said, okay, see you next week. And I'd come back the next week, do you have anything? Nope. I did that for a year. Um, but he gave me just enough to say, just keep asking, it's okay. And eventually, he said, he said yeah, can you work tomorrow? <laughs> I was like, yes! Right? Hope was realized, but it wouldn't have been if I hadn't been going every, every week. Similar thing here. We're going to be hopeful. Let's live that way. And let our behavior reflect that we expect the blessing eternally of our Lord. And so we live in a way that is pleasing in his sight. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father in heaven. Our goal is to demonstrate our relationship with God by living in holiness unto Him. And in so doing, we will encourage one another unto good works and establish a testimony before the world that we belong to the Lord of all. Holy in our speech, holy in our thoughts, holy in our behavior. Now, there's no point in me starting the fourth point because I won't have time. I'll get about two sentences into it and we'll have to quit. So we'll save this for next week. We'll talk about holiness in worship, our fourth tassel, God willing, next Sunday. In the meantime, let us be meditating thoughtfully, carefully, uh, giving attention to how our speech and how our behavior and how our thoughts reflect the perfections of God and strive through those words, through that behavior, to bring glory to His name and be a blessing to one another. Be holy in these things, even as our God is holy. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you are good and gracious. We're all, but we are even more thankful that you are holy. For to serve an unholy God would be unthinkable when we consider the vast panorama of human history where men and women have done just that, serving pale shadows or perversions of you, the one true and living God, and the pain and the perversity and the darkness and the hopelessness that comes with that sort of idolatry, Lord, is beyond our imagination. Lord, let us walk in holiness before you, for you are true, you are righteous, you are holy altogether. Lord, let us show forth your holiness in our speech, in our thoughts and in our behavior. And ultimately, Lord, in our worship, as we declare your glories among the nations, your wonders among the peoples, for you are great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled all the law perfectly, who walked in holiness and gave us the example of how we are to walk unto you, let us follow in that, that pattern and bring you praise and glory. In Christ's name we pray.